In the mountains of Central Asia, there are a group of villages which are very cut off from the outside world, and uh, this is the group who our family are trying to reach. As far as we know, nobody from that village has, or that group of villages, has ever come to faith in Jesus. One young boy was born with his bladder outside of his body. The doctors of the insurgents who control that mountain area tried to push the bladder back inside, only making things worse. And so eventually our family got involved to try and bring about some uh, helpful medical intervention. Now this young boy had never been out of the mountain valley. So he'd never been down to the capital, he'd never seen a city before, he had never seen or been in a car, he had never seen an aeroplane, let alone be in one. But the complicating factor for him was that the surgery needed to happen in the United States. And uh, so you can imagine the cultural, cultural shock for him of so many new things. You know, being in a bustling city, uh, I've been there and it does bustle, uh, you know, car horns going off all over the place and uh, seeing and going in a car for the first time, I don't know if you can imagine what that would be like, that must be pretty weird, and then flying in an aeroplane to a new country. Now to try and mitigate some of the shock, they arranged for him uh, to be able to stay with a community from his own country uh, as he was recuperating in America. And you'll be pleased to hear that the operation was successful and uh, he was able to return back to his country. Um, I don't think that is him, but I uh, just thought it was a nice picture to put up while I was yabbering away. Um, anyway, that's, that's a fairly extreme example, isn't it, of how strange things can seem when we first experience them. What's normal for us would have been very strange for the, the, that young boy. What we would just consider to be normal, everyday things would be just bizarre for him. And we know that uh, when it comes to spiritual things, when people experience spiritual things, the same kind of culture shock can happen, but it's, it's a sort of spiritual culture shock. And in, in fact, many people... Uh, write spiritual things off because they've not experienced it before and they think that it's weird. We've been spending a number of weeks looking in, uh, through the book of 1 Corinthians in the Bible, looking at the gifts of the Spirit. And uh, we know that all the gifts of the Spirit are good. Uh, and we, you know, we have a particular list that we call the gifts of the Spirit, but in fact every gift that is good comes from God. Uh, whether it's supernatural or natural, if there's any divide between the two. But the gifts of the Spirit, so-called, can seem very strange to us because they're, they are, or they can be, beyond our natural experience. And so the first time we experience them, they can, uh, they can seem very strange. You know, why would God uh, speak to us through a prophecy? in a meeting. Why would God reveal something to another person to give you that message? You know, that, that can freak people out sometimes, even though it's good and helpful. Why would uh, God heal? And, you know, all the mystery and the questions around that. But we know that these gifts from God are very real, they're very special, and God gives them to bless us. 
One of the gifts that uh, often gets the most raised eyebrows is the gift of tongues. Uh, the gift of being able to speak in different languages. And uh, it's a language that we've not learned. It's a, it's a gift from God. And he just gives it because he loves to give. Uh, here's a quote for you. Tongues is spirit-inspired speaking in which the conscious mind plays no part. It's the speaking of a language, whether known or angelic, which is unlearned by the speaker. Uh, John Wimber was the leader of the Vineyard Movement, and actually today is the anniversary of his death, I realised this morning. We can be so stuck in rationalism that we are afraid of anything that doesn't come from our mind. But God created us with mind, body, emotions, and spirit. And all of them are good. And all of them are to be used as uh, part of our expression and part of our ability to be able to know God and experience him. This gift of tongues or gift of different languages is a very special gift and a precious gift from God. And uh, the first heading I want to put up there is to look to God. We look to God, the Holy Spirit, who is the giver of this gift. This isn't some kind of psychobabble that makes no sense and has no purpose to it. It isn't generated by us, it comes to us from God. And so in uh, the Bible, in Acts chapter 2, we have the story of the early church, day of Pentecost, Acts chapter 2 verse 4. Everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. This ability comes from God through the Holy Spirit. And it wasn't what they were expecting. They were having a nice, you know, little prayer meeting, you know, the same thing as they'd done the day before and a few days before that. And suddenly God turns up and something different happens. They weren't expecting to speak in tongues because that wasn't something that had been seen before. We have the benefit of being able to read the book, don't we? So we know that this is something that God considers to be good and normal and he likes to give. And uh, on that day, the crowd who heard these tongues or languages were puzzled and intrigued. In verse 7, we're told, they were completely amazed. How can this be? They exclaimed. These people are all from Galilee. I guess they were speaking with a Galilean accent. And yet we hear them speaking in our own native languages. And here we are, Parthians, Medes, Elamites, people from Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, the province of Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and the areas of, of Libya around Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs. In other words, every direction out from Jerusalem, representing all the nations. And we hear these people speaking in our own languages about the wonderful things God has done. They stood there amazed and perplexed. What can this mean? They asked each other. God gave his followers, we call them, I often call them the disciples, the apostles. God gave them the gift they needed that day to be able to tell the good news about Jesus to all these different groups from all these different nations who had gathered from a, a, for a religious festival in Jerusalem so that these people could hear about Jesus for the first time. Mandy and I knew a lady some years ago who 
Uh, she was baptized in the Holy Spirit, she started to speak in tongues and she could tell that there, God was in this just because of it was good and she, you know, she was able to sense God's presence in it. But she was a linguist and so she had questions about the gift of tongues and she thought, how do I investigate this gift? Does it follow the normal gift of languages? What does it do? So anyway, one day she wrote down the sounds that she had heard coming out of her mouth and, and she then analysed uh, what she'd written down using all the rules of language and she found that this gift of tongues obeyed all the rules of language because it was a real language. It wasn't just some nonsense that she was spouting that her mind was making up. It was a real language, but she hadn't learnt it normally. It was a gift from God. And so we look to God. And the second heading is that we use it towards God. The gift of tongues, these new languages, are usually used from us to God. They are for us to be able to pray and uh, worship. It's when our spirit engages with the Holy Spirit and gives us a greater freedom to be able to pray and worship. So, for example, in 1 Corinthians 14, verse 2, if you have the ability to speak in tongues, you'll be talking only to God. He's comparing that with prophecy, where you're giving a message from God to other people. With tongues, usually it's from us to God. It's a prayer or worship language. Verse 14, if I pray in tongues, my spirit is praying, but I don't understand what I'm saying. An example of this is when Peter was telling a group of non-Jewish people about Jesus. We get this story in Acts chapter 10. Even as Peter was saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell upon all who listened to the message. The Jewish believers who came with Peter were amazed that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles too. For they heard them speaking in other tongues and praising God. Okay, so on this occasion it seems to be that it was a, uh, the tongues was a praise language that was uh, being used to praise God. This is a wonderful gift. It can be used anywhere, anytime. Uh, once I got used to uh, speaking in tongues, I found I could, I could pray in this new language without praying out loud. And uh, I do that a lot of times. Uh, sometimes I'm with a group of people and I want to be able to pray, but I need to be able to focus on what they're saying and you know, interact with them, but I can still pray and allow the Holy Spirit to pray through me and, and to be able to pray in tongues. So Paul encourages us, in uh, Ephesians 6 verse 18 pray in the spirit at all times and on every occasion stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere so I don't know if you ever find you get to a point in your prayers where you don't know what to pray anymore you've run out of the things that you feel like you need to pray or maybe the same in a worship time you know you've sung and you've sung the words of the song and, and, but the, it feels like there's something more there's, there's more to engage with God and that's when the Holy Spirit is able to uh, move us into a different gear and we sing in tongues or we pray in tongues. And uh, sometimes it is an incredible experience and sometimes it's just a very matter of fact. You know, you just pray away and carry on doing what you have to do.
Maybe you wake at night and you, somebody comes to mind. Uh, happens quite often for me. And, and you know, how do you pray for them? <laughs> you can't exactly phone them up. Well, I suppose you could do, but uh, there are stories of how that has really blessed people. Uh, um, but usually I think it's just so that we can pray. But what do you pray? Uh, Father, would you bless them? Would you keep them safe? Well, you could allow the Holy Spirit to pray through you because you know that God knows what the person needs and so the Holy Spirit prays into the situation in a way that you can't do with just with your natural mind and God is able to bring something special into that situation. Praying in tongues is the perfect gift for that situation because God leads us to pray what he wants us to pray. And even when we're praying in English, or whatever your native language is, uh, we, the most effective prayers are when we're praying back to God the things that he wants us to pray. He knows what answers he wants to bring in a particular situation. And so we pray into the situation and we ask him, how should I pray about this? Rather than coming with our list of saying, God, you need to do this, 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 this and this. And it's the same with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit leads us into how to pray. And in worship, it's, it enables that the deepest part of us to be able to engage with God. And uh, for some of us, Brits, male, sometimes our minds get in the way of God working. And we need to allow our spirit to engage with God as well as our mind. And it's the deepest part of us uh, engaging with God. And so Paul continues in 1 Corinthians 14, verse 15, I will pray in the Spirit, and I will also pray in words I understand. I will sing in the Spirit, and I will also sing in words I understand. For if you praise God only in the Spirit, how can those who don't understand your praise, uh, who, who don't understand you, praise God along with you? How can they join in in giving thanks when they don't understand what you're saying? You'll be giving thanks very well, but it won't strengthen the people who hear you. I thank God that I speak in tongues more than any of you, but in a church meeting I would rather speak five understandable words to help others than 10,000 words in an unknown language. So if you remember, in this section in Corinthians, Paul is addressing how do we handle the gifts of the Spirit uh, when we're meeting together in a meeting like this or uh, maybe in a connection group or some other thing like that. And he's saying uh, there needs to be an order, there needs to be a way of doing this that makes sense so that people can join in rather than one person just going off and doing their own thing. And he's comparing tongues with prophecy. Prophecy is incredibly powerful because it has the potential to be able to build up the whole church. And that's why it's, Paul considers it to be the most powerful gift, to be able to strengthen, encourage and comfort everybody who's there in the building. The gift of tongues is also wonderful, but it's a personal gift that enables us to connect with God in a different way, but on a very personal level. However, the gift of tongues can work hand in hand with another gift. And so the third heading is ask for interpretation. 
Uh, back to John Wimber again. The, the interpretation of tongues is the God-given inspiration to speak in the language of the listeners, giving them the dynamic equivalent of that which was spoken in tongues. So somebody would pray in tongues, uh, give a message in tongues, and then in the moments where we wait afterwards, somebody else, usually, would then interpret the, the gift of tongues that had just been said. You may think, well, why not just give a prophecy? You know, why have tongues and then interpretation when you could just have a prophecy? Surely that's easier. I was in a meeting where a person stood up and spoke in tongues, and it sounded very much like French, because it was French. And uh, we found out afterwards uh, that there was somebody in the meeting who was French who didn't speak any English. And God spoke to them very directly and very personally through the tongues message. And uh, it was an incredible blessing for him. The person who gave the tongues message had never learned French and didn't know that that was the language that they were speaking. It was a gift from God. So Paul starts off by saying the gift of tongues is not primarily a public gift, but it's, if it's given in public there must be an interpretation uh, as well. Otherwise it's just gobbledygook, isn't it? It doesn't bless anybody. If we're all singing together, and some are singing in English and some are singing in tongues, that's a different uh, thing altogether, and in that context no interpretation is needed. But if a message is given in tongues, we need to wait for the interpretation. Paul tells us in verse 27, no more than two or three should speak in tongues, they must speak one at a time, and someone must interpret what they say. But if no one is present who can interpret, they must be silent in your church meeting and speak in tongues to God privately. And then Paul goes on in the next paragraph to give the same instruction for prophecy. Two or three prophecies given, then wait, weigh them up, see what's from God, what's not from God, and then you can do some more. And as Paul says at the end, everything should be done. All the gifts should be eagerly desired and used, but it should be done in a fitting and orderly way so that it builds up everybody who's there. Because God is a God of, a God of order, not of chaos. Sometimes God's order may seem more chaotic to us than we would choose, but he's God, he's allowed to do that. So the last heading, receive the gift of tongues. In the Bible, when the Holy Spirit is poured out on people, whether you like to call it being baptised in the Holy Spirit, receiving the Spirit, being filled with the Holy Spirit, it really doesn't matter what terminology you use, the important thing is that it's happened. But when it happens in the Bible, there is always evidence, something always comes as a result of people being filled with the Holy Spirit. And uh, usually, in most cases, it is that they speak in tongues. It seems to be that that's the gift that the Holy Spirit pours out uh, first, in most cases. We already saw how that happened on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2, and also in Acts chapter 10 when Paul, sorry, Peter was in the, uh, the home of Cornelius, telling them about Jesus for the first time. Uh, Cornelius was a God-fearer. As far as we know, he wasn't actually born again at that point. He had invited all his friends and family to come and hear Jesus. 
and that's something that all of us need to get used to doing, myself included. And when the Holy Spirit fell upon them, they all spoke in tongues. We're told everybody spoke in tongues. And that must have been such a surprise to them, especially the ones who didn't believe in Jesus yet. But that was the way God did it on that occasion. Acts chapter 19, Paul reached Ephesus on the coast where he found several believers. Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? He asked. No, they replied. We haven't even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. I think their church planting teams needed to have a bit more theology and Bible understanding. Uh, We're lucky we've got more of the book, haven't we? Verse 6, when Paul laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them and they spoke in tongues and prophesied. So, speaking in tongues seems to be the biblical norm for when we receive the Holy Spirit. If it doesn't happen that way for you, don't worry. God might want to do something different for you. Different people, different contexts. Um, If you haven't received the gift of the Holy Spirit, haven't received the gift of tongues yet, then there's good news for you. God has a gift for you today for you to be able to receive. And sometimes there are, there are reasons why we don't receive the gift of tongues. It could be uh, like these, these people in Ephesus that you don't realize there's a, there's a gift. So it's difficult to receive something that you, you don't understand, you don't know about. Um, in other cases, uh, for example, uh, when, in my mother's case, she realized that she had to forgive someone. And as soon as she did that, the gift of tongues was released for her. Um, when I was 12, I asked my dad to pray for me so that I could be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Uh, in those days, I was incredibly bound by fear, and it actually took me two months to pluck up the courage to ask my dad to pray for me. Uh, that's, that's how fearful I was. And uh, when I did, he said, oh yeah, your brother asked me the same thing the day before. So uh, John and I went and we, we chatted a bit with Dad about it and then individually he took each of us and he prayed for us. And uh, after praying for me to be filled with the Holy Spirit, he said, right, uh, pray in tongues. And he started praying in tongues uh, as if it was the most natural thing in the world to, to use this new gift. And uh, I had no idea what to do or where to start. So he was praying away in tongues and I was just sitting there thinking, you know, what happens next? And so he stopped, and I explained I didn't know what to do. And he said, well, just start making some of the noises you hear me saying. And uh, he started praying in tongues again. And uh, so very, very quietly, uh, I just started to make a few of these, these noises, the sounds. And then suddenly, the Holy Spirit fell on me. The power of God just flowed through me. And instantly, a new language was there that I was able to speak. Some people find they get a few words and then the next day they get a few more and so on. For me, it all came at once. It was an amazing experience. But I need to be filled with the Holy Spirit many times every day. And I also continue to pray in tongues many times every day as well, day and night. As some of you know, my dad died a few months ago and uh, through a post I'd put on Facebook, uh, a lady heard that uh, Dad had died and she, she emailed me. She said, I can't believe I'm writing to you after all these years, but I'd love you to know my story. I became a Christian in 1973 when I was at boarding school. 
and I became super enthusiastic and eventually ran a Christian union. Not that I knew what I was doing. Uh, I don't know how I knew to do the following thing, but we did occasionally skive off uh, school and sneak down to your dad's church. Uh, a lady there, uh, one of the teachers, Doreen Smith, was instrumental in letting us uh, go there, but only after I and a few friends got caught sneaking off to the church in the evening. We used to change out of our uniform, our school uniform, into our own clothes in a phone box on Lansdowne Hill, halfway down. Anyway, on the last day of school term, I asked my friend Mary to come with me, and we walked down Lansdowne Hill into the city. According to the school rules, it was illegal to go without permission, and especially with only two of us together. I think we must have still been in school uniform. But it was the last day of school ever. We knocked on the door of your parents' house, um, and uh, we told your parents we were worried that we wouldn't be able to carry on being Christians when we left uh, school for homes all over the country. Your da dad shared some Bible verses, and then he said we would never be alone because we could all be filled with the Holy Spirit. Did we want this? Yes. Uh, we were so calm about it. Uh, he never laid hands on us, imagine that story nowadays, double exclamation mark, and said, I'll pray for all the evil to leave you. I thought, what evil? Uh, but then almost immediately I felt a strange sens sensation like someone, something going up my body, like being a tube of toothpaste being squeezed. I didn't say anything, of course. I was scared, but glad it was real. And then your dad said, I'm going to pray in tongues. Don't worry about it. Just worship. Join in if you want. Uh, this happened. Very gentle. No pressure. I felt an incredible warm sensation of being surrounded by a warm bubble. I remember thinking, if I push my hands out, I could push the edges of the bubble. I felt very safe. We all ended up speaking in tongues very naturally. I thought, God is here. I don't remember going downstairs or saying goodbye or thanks or anything. The next thing I remember is going with Mary into the school chapel. The cleaners had pushed lots of furniture to one side. I'd never seen it such a mess. So we went into a side room and we prayed in tongues for ages. The experience was so real that despite some very rocky road in my life, I've never given up on God. Um, and she, her husband, now are some of the leaders of the Free Methodist Church in the UK. I thought that was fun. Uh, so, the gift of tongues is a wonderful gift. It really does help. It's primarily used as a private way of praying and worshipping God but it can also be used in conjunction with the gift of interpretation of tongues, in which case the blessing can spread to more people. The language may be a known human language, or it may be an angelic language. It doesn't really matter. It is a real language. It's a real gift. It's a fantastic way of praying and worshipping. As with all of the gifts of the Spirit, they are under our control. In the Bible, we're strongly encouraged to desire them and to use them, but also to use them in a way that is fitting and orderly. They should never be, able to, uh, they should never be used to try and make us look good, to make us look more spiritual than we really are. They're given by God uh, to bless other people, to draw uh, 
us and others deeper into relationship with God. And really, tongues is unique in the way that it does that for us personally. Um, as many of you know, there have been some times where I've gone through some quite dark times. I've found it very difficult to pray. Um, usually I find worship very easy, but there have been times when even, even worship has been difficult, but I can always pray in tongues. Uh, even during that time when I just found it so difficult even to engage with God in praying anything, I could pray in tongues. And uh, it was really very helpful. So it's a gift I recommend. So I thought what we do now, Ed, if you could uh, come back up, and maybe David as well, and uh, we're just going to worship God. And while we're worshipping God, and could we crank the volume up nice and loud so that we feel like we have a bit of privacy, and you can do whatever you want. You can just carry on worshipping God in English, or if you would like to receive the gift of tongues, this would be a really good time uh, to ask God to fill you. And so... Uh, very often people find just saying the word Abba uh, and repeating that is a, a good way to get started. Um, and, uh, and we'll just worship God. And if by the end of the worship time you haven't received the gift of tongues, don't worry about it. Uh, but if you'd like to be prayed for, then we would love to pray for you at that point as well. Um, so let's, let's do that, shall we? Let's stand together. And we're just going to worship God and try and relax. Um, sometimes people find it too intimidating to use the gift of tongues in a setting like this. And so I encourage them, go and have a hot bath, relax, put some worship music on, and you can do the same thing there. But uh, let's worship God because he is worthy of worship, but he loves to give gifts as well. <laughs>